0: And we have for you a deep dive into a very disturbing Father's Day case. So, happy Father's Day to all the daddies out there. we love dads. We do. Not
1: the ones we're going to be covering this week. Definitely
0: not the ones we're covering this week. And if you have a dad, make sure that you wish them a happy Father's Day today. Yes. And And if you're
1: ever doubting your fatherly abilities... Just tune in this week. You'll <laughs> this, feel better.
0: This will make you feel real good about it's a, yourself. It's a boost. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: Yep. And I, I don't know a lot about this yet, but I'm kind of just oh, what you told so me. I'm just uh, I'm mentally know, preparing. You
0: know me, when I read books, that means that we come out with long cases. So, oh, yeah. So Ch- Charnel got her books out last week. I did. I did. So <laughs> nestle in. It's going to be a long one. And I, I hate to say it, but it's going to be a long two for. Mm, I don't like like to do the two-parters, but, I mean, we have to sometimes. So this will be a two-parter. If you're a Patreon, you get a third episode this week. So check out CrimeCuriousPatreon.com, and you can uh, read all about that and figure out how to just—we have different tier levels that get you— any level gets you bonus episodes. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a good one this week. And yeah, let's just jump right into All this right. douchebaggery of a father. It's profound what happens in this case. If you h- haven't read in the description yet, this is the case of Joseph Fritzel. Even his name is dumb. It's horrible. Fritzel. Anyway. It's really stupid. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you
1: have a dumb name. And but if anybody out there is a Fritzel that's not related your name's not dumb. Weird, but, it's
0: not. It's but his not. Is. You're just dumb when you you guys look up we'll post a picture but right now <laughs> while you're listening look up a photograph of this man because he was the inspiration for Jim Carrey's The Grinch. He character. is the living Grinch. It's the eyebrows and the way his hair stands up and he <laughs> that look on his face like that high arch holy he shit he is
1: the Grinch in human he form. is
0: he's and he's got those deep green eyes yeah I mean it is intense it's it's uncanny look it up you guys his name's Joseph Fritzl right now and you'll or check out our our social pages because we always post yeah, the, yeah. Uh, post pictures on there too so oh it's crazy yeah but
1: the Grinch in like human flesh form for sure mm-hmm. so creepy <laughs>
0: It is. So we're going to start this case off on Saturday, April 19th, 2008. Now this case spans decades. So we're going to start in 2008, but it actually started in the 1980s. Okay. April 19th, 2008. It's getting around 8.30 a.m. when a call came through from the hospital's accident and emergency room. Now Dr. Reuter was the head of the ER. And paramedics had just brought in a critically ill young woman. The girl was unconscious. She was laid on a stretcher and he was guessing that she was around 20 or so, but it was very evident that she was very very close to death. She was horrifically ill, and she was told by the paramedics that her name was Kirsten. One of the paramedics actually happened to be Dr. Reuter's son. He knew right away, like, the information that his father would want and need, but they Mm. really didn't have a ton of information other than they picked her up from a home. Now, the street name, this, this is actually a case from Austria. So some of the names, I mean, I think we understand from the episode of the off Pass episode that foreign languages and other names are difficult they for Charnel's tongue.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do so we have a couple other names that are doozies. I, a
0: little bit here, just mostly. Like their street name is Ybstrasse. Oh, fun. Y B B S S T R A S S E E. There's a lot of S's, B's, Y's. Lots of B's, lots of, yeah. Yep, Strassi. Okay, so that's the name of Strassi. We'll just (laughs) shorten (laughs) it. (laughs) The name of the road. But it's in central um, Amstenton is the town that that this all takes place, Amstenton. And the call came in around 8 in the morning from the girl's grandfather. He found her collapsed in front of his house. He said he almost tripped over her. He said that he was going out to buy bread rolls and... It was really quite a shock to him because he wasn't expecting a teenage girl unconscious on his doorstep. Yeah, as one probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, and it would come as a shock to anyone, but to this man, it was particularly a shock because he had never seen this girl, Kirsten, who is his granddaughter before in his life.
1: Oh, wait, so it was his granddaughter, but he didn't know it was his granddaughter. Yep,
0: and she's about... She's 19, the, but at this time, the doctors are saying she's about 20 and they're pretty close. So he quickly explains to the paramedics that Kirsten's mother grew up away from home in some kind of like cult. Okay. Okay. And that her grandfather didn't know any more than that, other than in the past, Kirsten's mother, so this man's daughter, his daughter has dropped off three other children before throughout the years for them to raise that had different various health conditions and needs. Oh, wow. So he so, was thinking
1: that's happening again. Like, yes, oh, here's another here's one. Here's
0: another one that she's just dropped off and, and scurried away with. And there was a letter explaining that she was really, really ill and had been feverish for days and that she needed help. So so he took her to the hospital? He called 911, or, you know, the paramedics, and the ambulance picked her up. He gives her the ambulance Paramedics that story, and now the paramedics are giving it to the doctor. Okay, like we don't know wow. much. She was found on a doorstep this morning. She's she looks horrible, mm-hmm. and is clearly very sick. The doctor Ruder Writer, probably Ruder Roder Ruder Doctor Ruder Yeah, Doctor Doctor Roder at about ten thirty. He did what he always does with his patients' relatives, and he invited Kirsten's grandfather to talk to him privately in his office. So when he does that, he learns that the grandfather's name is Joseph Fritzel, And Joseph had just repeated to the doctor what he had told the paramedics, that Kirsten was his granddaughter, but she'd grown up away from home with her mother, who he hadn't seen for more than 20 years, ever since she'd run away from home to live in a cult. The first and only time that he'd seen Kirsten had been that morning when he discovered the girl on his doorstep. Passed out.
1: Is it fair to raise an eyebrow at this?
0: I mean, you can raise them both. Joseph Fritzel sure is. <laughs> he okay, yeah, because he's, he he's, the,
1: he's the guy, right? He's, he's not the guy. grandpa. Okay.
0: Oh, That's he is grandpa. He's, okay. Yeah, he's grandpa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. Well... Dr. Reuter thinks it's suspicious as well, but he said,
1: I don't know much about this other than it's really messed up. uh So I'm like, what is it? What is it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We're going to get to it. You got to sit tight, sister. Okay. Uh, He explained that he and his wife are currently raising three of their grandchildren that ended up on his doorstep with a note just like this one begging for them to take care of their child, of the child. All babies, um, were left in the doors, on his doorstep throughout the 90s. He and his wife, Rosemary, with the agreement of the Council of Austria, it's like the Child Protective Services, had taken um, the children to raise as their own. Um, so he's, he's kind of telling the doctor all this, and he's kind of taking it in. The daughter always left notes with each child, and she did so with Kirsten as well. Okay, And on this one, the the note kind of gave an outline that Wednesday night, Kirsten had fits and took cough syrup and aspirin. Thursday, her cough was getting worse. She's getting feverish. The aspirin's not helping. And this is now Saturday. So it kind of gave the doctor a bit of a timeline, but at the same token, not knowing her environment, not knowing what she might have ingested, what has she been into, what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot they can do, but just try to keep her hydrated and and watch for organ failure and do those kind of things, okay? Joseph Fritzl explains that his daughter Elizabeth has always been an unpredictable girl. She had disappeared in the mid-1980s when she was 18. It hadn't been the first time that she had run away from home. She'd done so before when she was 16, and even though he was super embarrassed about it, uh, she was picked up when she was 16 by police in Vienna. He's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud that this is what my daughter is, but mm-hmm. this is the information I've got.
1: We're like, we see those eyebrows, sir. Your and eyebrows are questionable. Plushed in your story.
0: <laughs> he asked, you know, would Kirsten die? And the doctor flank- frankly said the chances of Kirsten's survival, frankly, the odds were very slim. But in order to increase the chances, what he really needs is to talk to the mother. Mm-hmm. to talk to her mom and get more inf- real information because you've got nothing to go by besides I tripped over her this morning on my yeah. porch in a near-death state and here we are. So the doctor says, Mr. Fritzel can I alert the media? Basically, can we put a media plea out for the mother to step forward without the authorities? Police don't need to be involved, but just this abandoned girl. Mm-hmm. Can we We air this on the radio. Can we do something? Because obviously she's not going to come. You can't. You know, it's been. Yeah, you've had this happen multiple times. Right, for 24 years and she's not coming forward. So. Or, you know, n- not communicating with you other than these so notes us with kids. Yeah, like, can we explain through the media? Let me guess. He was like, no, you cannot. No, he was all for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He was like, yeah, like, let's, okay. put, let's put this out. I need my daughter to come home so that we can get this figured out so this poor woman, this poor girl doesn't die. So at 530 the same day, April 19th, the radio broadcast was made asking for the mother to come forward. Joseph Fritz, Fritzl's wife, Rosemary, ended up coming on Tuesday. She was actually out of town when this happened. So he calls her and says, you know, Elizabeth Elizabeth has dropped another child, an almost adult one at this point in time, on our doorstep, ill. So she comes home. She goes and visits with Kirsten in the hospital Tuesday talked to the doctors briefly about like health insurance status I mean she was really worried that you know having grown up in a cult the girl was essentially invisible to the government
1: right like she didn't have any identification exactly
0: Mm -hmm. and to authorities. so she doesn't have a birth certificate a passport she wasn't insured who's going to pay for this and the hospital is like listen we we understand we're going to save her we're going to try our best to save her and then we will deal with those matters later on April 26th one week of being hospitalized and deteriorating each day. Kirsten's mother had responded to the public plea public plea and came forward and was wanting to meet with the doctor and and with her father. When the doctor meets with Kirsten's mother Elizabeth, he notices right away that she's pale, that she's fragile looking and pretty young for having a teenage daughter, but he could also see the immediate love that she had in her eye when she got to see Kirsten in the hospital oh, bed.
1: Okay, so she he's seeing some some kind of connection yep, there. And he know
0: like he can see this is her mom. Oh, for sure. Okay. And the problem is though is that she really provided no help for her health status. Interesting. She had nothing no information to give him other than what was already in that timeline for when she started to get ill. And so the doctor thinks whatever she was involved with had been difficult for her because she barely spoke and, and barely had So communication. even mom
1: sound, it seemed like mom was pretty damaged yes, too. Yes, definitely. Ugh, so many things. I have conclusions in my head already, but I'm just going to keep well, them to myself.
0: the doctor... Felt bad because he's a mandated reporter, just like we have here in the United States. Yeah, and as difficult as this was for him, he had to have his staff have police on standby for Elizabeth Fritzel because it was very obvious that this girl had been neglected.
1: Yeah, so he was—he kind of was picking up like, a, I see, there's a connection here. Mm-hmm. I see the love, but
0: but some- you abandoned her, right? Almost dead on a doorstep. She got into that state out of what seems to be to him, neglect. So I'm sorry, but I've got a call. I have to report this to the authorities. Right, right. I can't just stand by. And But he made sure to meet with her first and try to get information before before he called the police. Well, after his meeting, unbeknownst to Grandfather Joseph Fritz, Fritzl and unbeknownst to Elizabeth Fritzl, waiting in the next room was the authorities to arrest Elizabeth. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where I'm going to leave you for a minute. What? Okay. It's okay. important, but that's right. where I'm leaving you. Okay. She's walking. We're putting that aside. She's walking out of the hospital room. The doctor knows something's not right. He's concerned. Okay. And Kirsten is still not doing well. Okay.
1: Authorities are waiting. Authorities are room. waiting
0: to arrest Elizabeth. Mm hmm. Where I want to take you to is I'm going to need to give you the story here. And in, order, in do. order to do that, I got to give you the background on Joseph Fritzl. I mean, this is a Father's Day case. It is. So we got to talk about the daddy.
1: Let's hear about
0: daddy. All right. So this baby daddy was born in Amstetten, Austria on April 9th, 1935. Now To, ep- to the Grinch. To, <laughs> to Mr. and Mrs. Grinch. Grinch. 100%. <laughs> it is determined. Oh. At that time, Austria was under the control of Nazi Germany. Oh, if you can flippin' oh, imagine. Okay.
1: Yeah. Dark times. Yes. Difficult and times. I
0: encourage you all to read the book, I'm No Monster The Horrifying True Story of Joseph Fritzl by Stephanie Marsh and Bojan Panchevski. So good book. Great, good. great book. Really gives you insight into how Joseph Fritzl was shaped and raised by his environment being under the control of Nazi Germany. All right. So
1: that always while. helps, I think, to understand.
0: You can't not take that into account mm-hmm. when when we talk about the type of man that Joseph was. It just would be a disservice to realizing how he the, got to be the way he is. Yeah, and the yeah. the political unrest at the time and everything that was happening, definitely. He was born just a few years before the beginning of the Second World War in a collapsing society to a loveless mother, and honestly, she mom gave birth to him just to spite. Oh, wow. Yeah, his parents did not get along well at all, and his dad would gradually fade from his life. So when you actually said he was born to the Grinches, you weren't far off. All right. um, Because literally they had like a miscarriage, and... You know, back in that time before we knew any better, the man was blaming the woman. She was a poor, she was a lame wife because she couldn't, you know, because oh, she had a yeah, miscarriage. Okay. So he, she basically got pregnant again just to prove that she could and then was like, there, bitch, look at that. Oh. It's not me that's oh, the problem. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm going to
1: have this baby. Yeah. I'll show you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's kind of sad circumstances. It is. It but- is.
0: And he, um, He would slap her at first. Like her abuse escalates like how we see in so many cases where it's just at first just a couple of slaps and then it's fists and then it's booted feet. Um, Once he was kicked in the face and bled all over the floor uh, when he was disobedient, whether it was like on purpose or just being a child, he would be forced to sleep outside in the garden. Sometimes he was even tied to his bed. I mean, it just.
1: Lots of abuse that. Just got worse. Yes, and
0: there's this one punishment that the author of the the authors talk about in the I'm No Monster book, and it's a, a punishment that's called hmm, schnittelkling. No, oh, whaty <laughs> It's bad, painful. I, it is. It's a disciplinary practice that is still legal in parts of Austria and Germany. And please, someone spell it phonetically for me um if you could before you yell at me about how awful i just butchered that uh you try. name but you try the point of it is that children are made to kneel on the angle the sharp angle of a piece of wood so that the sharp edge is like painful and an hour on the board is considered normal what? This is still legal? Yeah, in some parts of Austria yeah. and Germany. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I don't either. I don't at like all. it at all. No. Yeah. So that's so sh- the schnitzel knine schnitzel knien. Yeah. I <laughs> listen. We have hard words in America too. Like I just like
1: here, you sound it out. It's I can say like, Worcestershire yeah. though.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: Not really. Worcestershire. <laughs> Oyster. Yeah. Worcestershire. There Worcestershire, we go. Worcestershire sauce.
0: I it's can delicious. Say, I love it. Me too. Worcestershire. But I cannot say schnitzel Schnitzel. It sounds it's horrible pain, Listen, it's painful to say and it's painful to execute. Yeah, that's like, terrible. They, that's a normal thing. So he had that a lot. The problem is he was manipulated and abused by her. Like, uh, of course, she'd be abusive and then she'd be like, oh, you don't love me. Why don't you love oh. me? You don't love me enough. Oh, I love you. So and, were mom and dad both abusive to him? Dad really wasn't around. When he okay, was four, so mom
1: was doing most of the abuse. Yes.
0: Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. And mom stays in his life, like, for his whole life, and she's just a horrible person throughout his whole life, really. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and dad leaves permanently when he's four, and he doesn't see him so again. He's so he's out after mm-hmm. that. Okay, Yeah. Gotcha. What is really weird is against all odds, and as we've seen time and time again... Joseph Fritzl is highly intelligent. Mm, they always are. They always are. And he goes in, actually goes into engineering. Like he's okay. really good with electronics and stuff. Gotcha. He's he's very smart. So he's got some talents. He yes, yep. When he was fifteen, is when he really finally starts to turn on his mom, and he actually physically hit her on the side of the head with a punch so violent that it sent her like across the kitchen. Wow. And she laid there for a few seconds and he thought that he might have actually killed her things kind of changed after that i mean i think she kind of realized like oh he can really hurt me so i probably better stop abusing him mm, okay she was afraid of him and he realized at that point in time that he had some great power like he had a taste of it and he liked it um, especially over women
1: okay i i get where this is going
0: kind yes, of maybe yes. i don't know they lived at 40, and it's that weird word again, where he had grown up, grew up. With the B's and the T's and the E's. Where he had grown up was 40, number 40, Yubstressi Street, which I don't know if you recall, but that is where Kirsten was picked up from the ambulance by. I remember that, you Mm -hmm. saying that. He lived there his whole life with his... With his mom. Oh, it was so he a, was still living there. Yeah. It was a really big house, and I'll post pictures. It's gigantic because it was like an apartment thing. Uh, gotcha. This huge, big apartment. And he just lives in one, like, small apartment with his mom and then later with his wife. I was so he say, ends up owning the whole complex. You tell
1: me the mom is the wife and the wife is the no, mom. No, 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 not no. going to be able to handle not it. Not at all. But, no.
0: Okay. But we'll get to more about the house. Gotcha. So it's the same, that yabessi Street, whatever, you Yab- you know the street. The street. Yes. Mm-hmm. At the at fifteen, he becomes. We kind of start seeing this switch. This power. He likes that power. He had hit his mom. He liked it. At fifteen, he became a peeping tom. He discovered that he liked watching women bathe and even just sit. Like he would just stare at women sitting in their apartments, rocking in a chair oh, or wow. sitting peacefully so he's just like and reading a book, writing in their diary, whatever, outside, what have you. Just, just sitting he and watching. Enjoyed that. Um, this reminds me of uh, Little Nikki when
1: John Lewis is in the tree.
0: <laughs>
1: she yes. sees him and he's like, "I'm a bird."
0: I, right, right. Yeah, that's that's him. Just <laughs> sorry, I
1: don't just know a little, Just a what little more grinchy, head. grinchy looking. Yeah, the Grinch yeah, the is, the Grinch pr- is, is perching in the tree. Yeah, Okay.
0: At 16, he decided that he was going to start exposing himself to women unannounced. Oh, no. Just like literally the first time he did it, he just jumped out of a bush at a woman and showed his penis. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? I would be horrified. I'd probably kick it. First of all, I would be like, I'm sorry, but I didn't bring my spectacles. What is it you're trying to show me? (laughs) What are you doing, sir? I'm sorry, guys. Why? Just why? This is my stance on penises there is a reason why they get become hidden during intercourse because, <laughs> because nobody wants to No see one. Them. No, God didn't make them pretty. Like the female body is so much prettier than the male body. I
1: have to agree with you on that. And it really is. You know,
0: I, I love my husband in and all it's just, you just that, don't want flashing episodes. Yeah. That area. It's yeah. not like you're like, oh. That is so pretty. Now, did he have no. some sexual issues, too? Because it seems like it. we're
1: getting, like...
0: Oh, we're getting to it. This is the this is me telling you how we escalate to his sexual issues. Okay. This was his first sexual was he, experiences. Was where, he sexually abused at all? No.
1: Oh, okay. So they're no. just coming out... This
0: is just him, like, I discovered that I like watching women okay. when they don't know it. Gotcha. It turns me on. And I, and and he had no other, he was very socially awkward, so he had no girlfriend. He had no other way to learn about, you know, excitement and boners and getting off and things like that. How old was he he when he started flashing? 16. And those are are his early sexual experiences. By 19, he still hadn't even had a girlfriend. Oh, wow.
1: So he's just doing these sexual gestures, but he hasn't actually had a a sexual encounter of any kind. exactly.
0: Yep. He was working as an engineer because, you know, brains. He was smart. He met Rosemarie Bayer. And although she was shy, she asked him to dance and even initiated the first dance. He went to a party with a co-worker and met a girl.
1: Nice. Okay.
0: Now, Maybe. this is straight from the, I'm going to quote the book. I'm going to do that several times throughout this episode because some of the things that they say are just so well done that I couldn't paraphrase it any better. You know, quote, sensed his ambition and felt fortunate to have met a man of such intelligence and drive. In return, she could offer herself to him as a traditional wife and homemaker. She cooked well and would accept without question her husband as the head of the household. She understood that he had very firm ideas about marriage, that he wanted a large family, and that he was keen to, to take on the role of the reliable patriarch never abandoning his children or his father as his father had done. He and Rosemarie wanted the same things, to have a lot of children and do well for themselves. So, In June 1956, they were married, end quote.
1: So it starts out like a normal yeah, they've got goals. start to a family. Yeah, in the
0: 50s, we're going to have a load of brood, a brood of children. Yep. You're going to stay home and take care of them. I'm going to work. I'm gonna it's going to be great. I'm uh-huh.
1: going to be there.
0: yes. Yes. They ended up moving into a two-bedroom apartment in the same apartment complex that his mom lived in, 40 Yabassi Street. I'm saying it so wrong, but you get it. That street with all the Y, B, and S's. Uh uh-huh. His relationship with his mom now that he's married, he only talks to his mother through his wife. Oh. His mom liked his wife. Oh. She liked Rosemary. And so- So he's like, I will stop all communication. Yeah, you can just talk to my mom, and then whatever my mom needs to tell me, you can tell me. And that's how they did. Interesting. Yep. That was their relationship from that point on. The couple is overjoyed when they begin to have children. Everything seemed to to be good. On June 17, 1957, Rosemary gave birth to their first child, a girl, who they named Eureka. Just under three years later, on May 11, 1960, the couple's second child was born, another daughter, and they named her after her, after her mother. Her name was Rosemary as well. That second pregnancy was complicated, but Rosemary was adamant that she would have more children so she ignored the doctor's advice and her husband's and her husband's misgivings and on september 7th 1963 the couple's first son harold gunther was born he's doing really well as an engineer for himself making plenty of money the company is growing and he was told that he needed to oversee a new project in ghana africa Mm, okay so he had to leave for 18 months during that 18 months, he was totally cut off from his family. He did not come and visit his family once. He did not phone his wife, no letters, nothing. Oh, wow. So was he
1: not able to or what?
0: He could have come home for, at various points and chose not to because after being married with three kids for the last seven years, he had what he thought of as, quote, normal extramarital affairs for a man who was away from his wife for an extended oh. period of time. When you quote. know
1: it? Gag Normal. Me. I like that. Normal mm-hmm. extramarital. No Normal big deal. Normal
0: extramarital.
1: I'm a man and I have to have Sir, my. Sir, yeah.
0: I must unload my <laughs> sack. And she's not here, so it's got to be with some other woman who is. Damn it. I
1: must unload my sack. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> But I mean, that is essentially what he's
1: saying. Oh, he totally justifying like I have to do this. It's a normal thing. Don't
0: understand
1: for a man to be away from his wife for so long. Right.
0: (laughs) Wow. For a kid who didn't get laid till he was twenty, I mean, so no wonder he didn't
1: come home. He was living his best life. Oh,
0: he was. There were all kind prostitutes. Actually, he boasts about how he never had to pay. Like he just. He did his stocky, flashy thing over in Ghana. Ghana is different. There were women, so they liked it. He was able to barter oh,
1: for things. Okay, he didn't ever have to pay. So that's why he said he didn't have to pay because he could offer other things yes. like goods. Goods. Mm-hmm. He offered his goods. He'd, what
0: the, the, the poor girl got sack. the short end of the <laughs> stick on that one? If ma'am, reach look into my sack, I have things <laughs> to offer you. Yeah, it was it was not good for them, I am sure. They were, so, they were staring
1: into the face of the Grinch, right? How could it have right, been?
0: with as big as his eyebrows are, you would think his penis would be larger, but can it turns you imagine
1: out <laughs> like that looking at you like, no, anyway, yeah, let's so move on from that as visual. one
0: can imagine. Cracks started to happen in the marriage when sure. he returned.
1: Okay. One would think so, yeah. Well,
0: Rosemary was, you know, a bit lonely for 18 months, raising the children, a little overburdened. She wasn't out flaunting herself That's at all. two
1: years just not seeing her husband. It yep. would just be so odd to have... Raising
0: these three kids, mm-hmm. and they're young. And so the kids are now 8, 5, and 2, and honestly had kind of forgotten him. And when he got home... They were really suspicious like, of this? him. Yes. And even afraid. Because sure. like now there's this burly man just coming in telling us what to do and we don't remember him he really. Was essentially
1: a stranger coming back, you know. Yeah.
0: And he had become used to living the bachelor life, you know, and being waited on by servants because he was treated very well over in Ghana while he was overseeing that project. Oh, I see. The the authors speculate that It's possible that he felt having improved his family's financial circumstances that he was kind of like entitled to being, you know, to coming in and being the disciplinary, uh, disciplinarian and and you will respect me and you will basically like you will bow down to me and my Uh, will because I'm the man of the house. Yes. And I'm I'm really someone because I bartered beads for a blowjob, you know. Like that—that that makes a man special. feel big. Sure. The other thing is, though, and he started to now resort to his one of his mother's favorite disciplinary tools and made the kids do that punishment of sitting the on the board.
1: Schwingen. Yeah,
0: the <laughs> schnitel clean. Whatever schnitzel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a hard one.
1: Oh,
0: I'm gonna I say don't it don't different like that every punishment. time. It's so. Yeah, it, and. And he felt shut out by his wife because of course she's like, I kind of don't know you now. either sir. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sorry, but you smell different. Yeah, sh- you know probably like gonorrhea yeah, probably <laughs> <laughs> but so he felt shut out by his wife because she seemed really preoccupied with raising the children. What yes. No way. And he knocks her up again so she's pregnant again and he hated fat women. Oh, don't give me that. Oh, Don't give no. me, he's one of those, he's too. He's one of those. They mm-hmm. got he's you pregnant shallow. and now you're fat. Yes, exactly. <gasps> mm-hmm. And pregnancy made Rosie, as he called her, fatter. The old feelings of loneliness and self-pity returned with a vengeance, a vengeance. And one of his favorite lines is, quote, If you don't do what I say, it will only get worse. And that's what he would threaten his wife and his kids with. So this, like, hostile household is where the couple's fourth child was born on April 8th, 1966, and they called her Elizabeth. Okay. So, oh, ringing I'm some done, bells. Done, yes. Now, things at work are still going well. He's discovered a love for bicycling, and at this time, Rosie thinks that he's having an affair. And although she's absolutely right to suspect him, he wasn't having like a consensual affair. What he was doing was going back to his teenage old habits. Oh, so he is So his peeping. affairs. He's peeping he's and peeping on creeping. women. Yeah, he's not having an affair where the other person knows she's involved with an affair. So, gotcha. She's being perpetrated so as really John
1: Lovitz in the tree yes. at this point. Like,
0: he's just going back to watching women and exposing himself to women. Oh. As a matter of fact, he had been cautious, or cautioned by the police, when a woman had reported him to the police for she was sitting on a park bench reading a book, and he just walks up and exposes himself. That happened My to a coworker, God. and oh. um, I I'll so tell don't you the read name books.
1: We don't read books on benches, well, is what you're telling she, me. She tr- she like barricaded him and called the. He picked the wrong person. <laughs> Barricaded him, like hunted him down after he exposed himself.
0: Like, oh, I'm sorry. You're going to subject me to that tiny thing and now you think you're going to get away with it? Yeah, Apparently
1: he was like fully aroused and it was like a like a trench coat, like classic thing. Wow. She's like, "No, no, not today, sir. I just can't. You I'm, and your boner are going well, down. And
0: at one point, like, the guy, guys write us or something. They, I don't ever look at my body and be like, I think other people need to I'm see this. flash
1: this for a thrill. This
0: dude just innocently reading a book on a bench needs to see when my When I flash genitals. myself
1: in the mirror for,
0: know, out like, of the shower, God, I'm like, Ugh. damn it, sure, no, I yes. didn't want to
1: see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I would never have that, like, oh, oh I'll right. get him with this. You
0: know, like, I just. This is so beautiful. I must share it with (laughs) the world. Because I feel like that's what this dude is doing. For sure. Like he's so in love with himself and with his like, own penis this, that ladies. he's like look at what I
1: have. I know I I, I want to know the mindset. I, or me is too. it a sick thrill of like look at my
0: naughty bits and I think so and like and I and know I'm, I'm forcing I'm it I'm excited on you. about yeah. Perhaps. Maybe but. that's
1: what it is. I don't know, but I'm curious about it. <sighs> me too. It.
0: Me too. I don't I don't even know why I'm curious about it, but for some Same. reason I am. I, I think it's the mindset I want to know. Like yeah. what
1: causes that to be a desire. Right. Right. You know. Exactly.
0: A few months later, he again again came to the attention of the police, but this time it was for attempted rape of a young woman.
1: Oh, it just keeps getting worse. Again
0: he was cautioned. So just like when he was caught exposing himself and reported by the by the woman to the police, he was cautioned. Oh, now it's an attempted so they're just rape. Like, be careful. Like, um, we're on to you, sir. Slap slap no on the wristy wrist. But yep.
1: Nope. Yep. So he was, I hate to say this, but I bet he did that in Africa too. Oh, definitely. I bet he was for like,
0: oh, he, I, you can't convince me otherwise that he did not force himself Mm -hmm. on the women over there. It would seem likely that there are other incidences that went unknown to the authorities. Uh, Shortly afterward in October, 1967, when Joseph was 32, he began to follow a young woman around the streets of Linz. He basically followed her and learned her entire routine. Oh, my I know. It's so, that shit creeps me out This is so where much. Amber's
1: paranoia starts to creep in when I yep. go home at night.
0: <laughs> and he was lurking outside her home a lot, gathered all of her basic facts of life. She was a nurse. She was married. She had a young child with her husband who was a railroad worker and worked nights. So one night, he snuck into her home. And this is a quote from the book. What happened next was reported in the newspaper that I'm not even going to attempt to announce, to pronounce on October 27, 1967. Having crept into her bedroom, Joseph stood there in the darkness, observing the sleeping woman. Next, he went into the kitchen where he fetched a long-handed carving knife. He returned to the bedroom, and while she continued to sleep, he removed his shoes, his trousers, and his underwear. From the waist down, he was naked except for his socks, which, my God, (laughs) remove the socks. That's the most horrifying part so far. Do not. If you are someone who has sex with your socks on, please stop it. (laughs) (laughs) This poor woman. But from the waist up, he might have looked like he was on his way to work. He wore an ironed shirt and his tie was neatly knotted. He was motherfucker was wearing a tie. This is what nightmares are made of. I know. <laughs> Business on the top, socks still on, uh, boner right there, yeah, and a unsolicited knife. Unsolicited boner and a knife. <laughs> You're right. This is the shit nightmares it's are made horrifying. up. horrifying. This is, this is what haunts my dreams. And the only thing worse is if he was chewing gum obnoxiously. And he had and a mouth mustache. Breathing. Oh, he's got a mustache. He, I'm sure it was Have like you looked full him at that time. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I bet it was like <laughs> like a full mustache at the yes, time.
0: it's so bad. Oh, it's my just God. white cotton shirt uh, with a bow tie. Tie intact. Oh, my God. Yep. It gives
1: me chills, though, thinking about it. He just walks in. Yep. watching her sleep he was just
0: standing there like that yeah walking over to her he held the knife to her throat and said if you don't do what i say i'll kill you he had not needed the knife or needed the threat he was a strong man and using a and used to lifting heavy machinery in his job and his weight alone would have been sufficient to overwhelm a woman struggling into consciousness cuz she was asleep yeah so he raped the young woman while her child slept on its like little cot in her same room <gasps> Oh. Yeah. When it was over, he lingered for a while, slipping calmly back into his clothes and leaving as he had entered. Minutes later, he was cycling home, end quote. Cycling. He rode his fucking bike. <laughs> he wore socks and rode a bike. <laughs> the, the Grinch has got to go. It's too much. He's got to go. She called the police and he was arrested
1: oh so she did she know who he was yeah
0: she was able to identify oh him gosh what and is so wrong he's with not him? brilliant like no. he i'm saying he's brilliant in his job and stuff but he's that, not a brilliant criminal yeah, that
1: urge for the power whatever yeah. it is it's like he doesn't care if he gets caught no. at this point
0: mm-hmm. which we've seen mm-hmm. before plenty of times where they're before. like yes
1: i'm aware I'm a, it's midday but i am going but to expose myself for sure. to you exactly and but I you don't need care. to see my boner right yes
0: now. <laughs> yeah God wouldn't have gave it to me if he didn't want me to show you. Yes, I know you can see my face, but right. you, also, yeah, you, you need to see, see, see this. <laughs> so right. I just, oh my goodness. What happens is Joseph Fritzville is sentenced to just 18 months in prison for his rape charge. Wow. When Rosemary visited him in prison, she never once talked about the rape. It wasn't her way to embarrass her husband. She'd never talked to him about whether or not it was likely to happen again to bring it up was difficult enough for her but what it really came down to is that that really wasn't her position to question her husband Mm
1: -hmm. rosie and i need to do a treatment plan i think together well
0: and she was afraid of him because of his his age-old saying of if you don't do what i say it'll only get worse yeah yeah that's his his threat true when he was released from prison it was like nothing had happened and they never even discussed anything that had happened about it why he did it why well, so
1: it was like he got home and he got it was home and not nothing nope
0: about. they discussed having a fifth child as a matter of fact oh what Uh yep he was of course fired from his really great position I would hope as so. an engineer right but he got a new one immediately because he was he was a leader in his Position and he was very smart. He's a smart engineer, so he gets a new job immediately.
1: And at the you know with the time time being what it was, uh, yes, yeah, we're talking smart the guy. '60s guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I get it.
0: I do. Yep. He was delighted in 1970 when he had completed his prin- prison sentence. He's back in Amstetten, and Rosemary becomes pregnant again. This time, she was carrying a boy and a girl. Oh, twins. Mm-hmm. Twins, Joseph and Gabriel, were born on January 5th, 1971. And now his job is going so good that he was actually poached from his job that he got when he was released from prison to an, a Danish concrete producing company called Rimas.
1: Part of me is like resentful because this man did something so horrifying. Gets I know, and he still gets light these wonderful... A sentence yeah, and then a gets, promotion. Yep,
0: he gets to head up the Austrian division. As a matter of fact. No, I don't love it. Don't. He um, he had to travel a lot. He developed the company's business strategy. He knew the market well. And just under two years later, on December 28th, 1972, the couple's seventh and final child, Doris, was born. So they end up having seven children together. Holy
1: cow. He is
0: this big family man doing really well financially, doing really well in his industry. And it's like the marks on his record, which we will—I will explain to you Austria law in a little bit. They go away, but that no, hurt me when you said that. I know it's gonna it hurt me physically. Trust me, it's gonna hurt you more too. Get ready because I'm bringing the pain. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll so, prepare for the pain. Um, remember how I said that they lived in a two-bedroom apartment and and <gasps> that 40, didn't even hit me. Yep the the 40 it was at 40 Yeb steady street or whatever well they don't actually move they live there for nearly two oh decades just making more with all rooms. those kids yeah but they just as people he they owned the building His family did. Oh, okay. You know, so as people moved out, they would just like knock down walls and make apartments more rooms for the kids. And so when they as the other tenants pass away or moved, that's what what happens. And he's doing well financially. So he actually buys a bed and a breakfast out of town that his wife was in charge of the kitchen and such. And he had his many kids work for us free labor. And it does really well. He ended up turning a profit. So when the apartment, you know, number apartment complex at 40 Yipsteady Street Mm -hmm. finally became tenant free, he had enough clout with the bank to do some major improvements in the home or, you know, to the home so he owns this bed and breakfast that's doing really well and the bank's like yeah you're doing great in your industry you've got this bed and breakfast that's doing good there's no more tenants in this apartment complex it's all yours mm-hmm. you want to improve it sure we'll give you some money you can start doing that so on november 6 1978 the planners allowed him to make the three major changes that he had requested in his like permit to construct a roof terrace to build a colossal extension to the back of the house that would function as an apartment block, containing near nine identical apartments to be lent out to other tenants, and to add a cellar to number forty, mm-hmm. and the work began almost immediately. So, let so what we have is this big apartment complex, okay? And he wants to do some uh, updates to the apartments, but then he adds this this more units on to the side of it okay okay and he adds a cellar in the basement of the new part part Mm -hmm. okay part of it does go into I mean there he connects them he connects these buildings the new addition and the current Mm -hmm. apartment building so he does connect them and it does connect through the cellar as well but the cellar is like a really big part of his construction plans and his family does live, they don't live in the bed and breakfast. They live in this big unit, but on the other side of the cellar. They don't live where I the see. cellar is being built and put in. Okay. They, they live in the um, a original part of it. He was brilliant with electronics and construction. He is an engineer after all. And from the outside, this building looked like two separate buildings, but he had actually designed it so that you could get through both of them from the inside he'd built corridors okay oh all right this sounds like
1: a really unique it's it's ugly as hell I mean it
0: is really not like I was gonna say it sounds like a mess it is a mess and as much and they actually say that in the book like as much of as an engineering genius as he thought that he was or whatnot the construction of this place is ridiculous yeah (laughs) it sounds just like
1: a complete cluster
0: it is it's a disaster his moods begin escalating. He has a lot of mood swing towards swings towards his kids and his wife. He gets physical with them. The oldest three peace out as soon as they can. They are like, see, we're ya. done. Mm-hmm. So we're now done with this crappy house. Yes, yeah, this maze. Yeah, I mean this, it's like essentially like a maze. It does. It
1: sounds so confusing.
0: So now Elizabeth is the oldest of the seven kids left in the house. She only ever has two friendships that were designed like beyond the classroom classroom. And they were Christina and Judah. They were twin sisters. They lived not far from Elizabeth, and the three girls got into the habit of walking to and from school together. So they also kind of had similarities in like their, their socioeconomic status and having a, a really authoritarian father. Mm-hmm. Because most of Elizabeth's friends had never been to her been in her home, um on yub stressy seat, street the facts of her life inside the house were unknown to her friends or anyone else basically the community i mean if you look at him from the outside he has this big gigantic glorious house he has a bed and breakfast he's doing he's an engineer he presents himself very well because he's highly intelligent his wife yeah. is really sweet to the outside world, he looks like a wonderful human yeah, they being. Yeah, pro-
1: probably the community was like, wow, this family is great. Yeah. He's he's yeah. a wonderful man.
0: Yep. Now, when Elizabeth was 13, sh- her room was separated by two doors from the marital bedroom. And so there's like a corridor and a staircase. That's all that separated her room from the her parents' room. Their little part of the apartment comprised of five rooms, an office, bathroom, living room, a small kitchen family room thing. The rest of the, the house was in, in units were rented out for money.
1: Okay, gotcha. So he's probably doing fairly well financially.
0: Yes, he is, but he also is just never happy. So he spends a lot of money on constant reconstruction. And he actually ends up building himself in this house, his own little apartment. Oh, and then starts like living in it. Interesting. Yes. Yes. It's just another way where he kind of isolates himself from the family and from his wife, who's unhappy with him and in all of that. But he ends up making himself his own little office and living room and bathroom and. And spending a lot of time wow. there, mm-hmm. he unfortunately he actually starts taking Elizabeth to his little apartment as well, and he starts grooming her.
1: Oh no! And
0: he starts uh, touching her. This is when he was forty five, and she had just turned; she was fourteen. Oh no! Fritzel sees this as like a coy seduction phase that he thinks that he's going to introduce his daughter into the world of sex by a real man. Oh, okay, okay. He'd hide pornographic magazines under her pillow. He was touching her and and masturbating in front of her. <gasps> oh my um, god. When they were alone in a car, it would happen. When they were alone in one of the rooms, like at their bed and breakfast, it would happen while the mom was busy in the kitchen. It would happen again. Like it is just if any if there was ever a slight bit of chance, he would masturbate in front of her and tell her afterward that the police were idiots and that nobody would take her word against his anyway.
1: Oh, my gosh! Yep. First of all, how horrifying Mm -hmm. as a teenage girl to to have to go through that. Secondly, the psychological part. Right. Nobody's
0: going to believe you. Well, and it gets worse because then he'd say, "Um, I'll kill you if you tell anybody. Wow. Yeah, so, like, you're, you know, you're going to bear the consequences about this. And so he, at this point in time, wasn't raping her, but he was masturbating in front of her frequently and touching her. He became obsessed with her. He would steal her letters that she got from different friends and would read them, keep them, follow her, read her diary, steal oh her letters gosh. that she tried to send back to her friends. And she had no idea uh, that any of this was happening. The, so he's
1: essentially started stalking his own daughter. He kind did.
0: Of. Yep. And, and he would just watch her when she, he was peeping Tommy oh on her as gosh. well. Mm-hmm. The abuse of his daughter was compulsive because he would never seem to get it right. As with the house, that he would spend his entire time endlessly, endlessly. Fixing and remodeling, trying to give it the elusive feeling of home by boring holes in its walls and partly installing a new sink or ripping down the wallpaper. It's like he could never quite get anything right. He was his houses were in a constant state of construction. I was going to say that it sounds like they were constantly Mm -hmm. like just always things over and over again. Mm -hmm. No matter what he did or how far he went, it never felt right. The escalation of his sexual attacks on his daughter was a symptom of his perpetual disappointment. When Elizabeth turned 15 in April 1981, she graduated from polytechnic school, which was normal there, and she spent the summer working at the bed and breakfast mm-hmm. for free. Then she got to spend two months away at an apprentice school, and she got to live there and work there for two months. Now, there were strict rules at this school that males and females and like couldn't be together, and they couldn't flirt, and to many kids they felt like it was a prison, but she loved it because there was a lock on her door and she was away from her father. Yeah. No one was She didn't have to have her masturbating father correct, around exactly. Yep. She
1: oh, I bet she was so it happy. Was, yeah. She was safe. Yep. no yeah. that's
0: it was it was safer for her than being home. During that summer, Joseph was arrested for suspected arson of the bread and backfit Brett. He bed. set his own mm-hmm. B&B on fire. bed and breakfast, which he had been accused of. This is actually his second time. Earlier in his life, he was accused of setting a fire to the apartment complex, too, for the insurance money. Oh, interesting. Yep. So it didn't pan out for him because it turns out that the bed and breakfast was underinsured. So he did get the insurance money. They didn't prove that he did it, but he royally messed up. Later in life, he admits to it. But He'd really messed up because it cost him money. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, so it's it was, like here's your money, but it's because not he didn't enough. get like all the extra stuff that he was doing to the place wasn't insured. He didn't he didn't account for the extra square footage to his insurance oh, company. Well. So yeah, joke is on you, sir. Right now, she had met and befriended a girl named Bridget Wan. Bridget was a bit of a troubled girl, and, and according to those who knew her, she had some problems. They became really good friends. Eventually, she even like gets up the courage, and she starts having a boyfriend named Andreas. So she's talking to him. They're writing. Mm-hmm. Things are kind of going really well. Elizabeth decides to tell Bridget about her father's abuse and the two created a plan to run away together during Christmas break and elizabeth and bridget decide on the uh, on january 28th that they're going to jump on the afternoon train to vienna they did they were sleeping on park benches and a friend like offered a friend of a friend offered to have them stay at his apartment so they did that for a night it became apparent that elizabeth was not she's 16 at this time was not coming home so 5 days later joseph calls the police It wasn't shortly after that they contacted the police. That the girls were located in Vienna. It was apparently Vienna is known as a very risque area and is known for prostitution. Oh. so the police officers were really snarky to them because they thought they had run away for prostitution. Oh, wow, when, so
1: they just assumed that that's what the girls were gonna do.
0: Yes, and actually Bridget got snarky back and was like, "If I wanted to fuck, I wouldn't need to go all the way to Vienna." Oh, wow. and I was like, "Yeah, girl, oh, you with tell him, right. yeah." And honestly. Elizabeth was trying to get away from her father who was sexually abusing her. That's what
1: makes me so sad about the the assumption is like this poor child's being sexually abused. Because they're teenage
0: girls, so they must be running away to is what they think in their mind. You know, Joseph never allowed her and Bridget to see each other again. I wondered what the consequence was going to be. Interestingly enough, though, he stops touching her at this point. Because Elizabeth running away kind of shows him that she isn't afraid to defy him. So that could include telling Mm-hmm. So he stops with his with his touching of her. By the summer of 1983, the cellar under the apartment is finished, and he gets the final walkthrough inspection cleared through the council that does those things. And he decides that he wants to add two extra rooms, even though it already has seven. So he applied for another permit, but he never had the final inspection done, Instead, he finished the two rooms in secrecy that he never, ever documented as part of the house plans and never told anybody about.
1: Oh. He that will later... Scares me.
0: Mm-hmm. He will later claim that he has no idea why he felt he needed to make those two rooms or why it needed to be done in secrecy, but he trusted his instincts. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with that. Uh, right. Immediately. My call bullshit yeah. on that. <laughs> you had an all intention, of, sir. All of 1983, you knew what you were doing when you were finishing the cellar. Absolutely. Yep. So it's now two years after Elizabeth has run away she was 16 now she's 18 Joseph is still creeping and lurking and reading her mail but like I said he's no longer touching her
1: uh, so he stopped touching her but he's, but he's still obsessed with still her there okay. yes yes
0: yes she got a letter from a guy and she reported back what her plans were going to be when she she had just turned 18 so she's let, letting this guy know I'm going to be finishing up my class classes and I plan to move in with my sister Rosemary in September and then she's going to be free of this place those were her plans. She's 18. This guy's name was Ernest. Her and Ernest exchanged letters, although she did mention Andreas, her boyfriend, who who didn't really live close by, and she talked about how sad it was for her that he didn't live close by, but he was training to be a chef. <coughs> but they wrote frequently and whatnot. Of course, her dad is reading all of this and all the letters to Andreas and, and so he, vice versa. So
1: Elizabeth didn't know her dad was reading all no. of her letters? No.
0: She did not know about her dad's obsession with her other than the masturbating and the touching.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Would he send the letters on? Like, would he open them, read them, and then still send them, or what?
0: No, a lot of times they, 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 didn't, they, get they didn't make, them, make gotcha. it to. they A lot I, of letters didn't make it to Elizabeth, and a lot of Elizabeth's letters didn't make it to their destination. I see. He literally intercepted them.
1: I kind of figured mm-hmm. so much.
0: And he did keep them, and they were found later. But we'll get to that. And the last letter that Ernest sends He talks about like some late night tales of partying and heavy drinking. I mean, he's a little bit of an older guy. He had been bold enough to ask Elizabeth to send him a passport photo of herself. Uh, She had searched around for something suitable and instead decided on a recent Polaroid. And on the Polaroid, she wrote, think of me in it. And that was the last letter that she had wrote him. So it was about when the letters were exchanging with Ernest and she and Joseph had found out what... Elizabeth's intention was in May of 1984 that he decided finally what those last two rooms that he never told the council about were going to be for. Uh-oh. So it's that was in May he he had decided. He became really really Obsessed with the cellar and spent all of his time down there. Because time was against him, he hurried. He worked day and night to get the job done. He had made a hole bes- behind a shelf unit in his workshop and he kept it really small so that it couldn't be seen or noticeable. It's basically like a little safe is hidden behind a painting. That's what he did with the shelf
1: oh, behind Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. You know, another creepy antic.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Next, he carried a king size mattress and a bed frame down into the cellar and laid them out on the floor. Of the square room that he had made. I do not like where this is going. I know. In any way. He wired the cellar for electricity and bought out, but bought other paraphernalia, like two items from an electronics store and some plastic knives and forks. He carried those down to the cellar in secret and carefully arranged them so that they were ready. To all appearances, Elizabeth Fritzel came from a loving family. They earned a decent living. And they were looking forward to moving, and she was looking forward to moving in with her sister in the autumn. None of which stopped her from disappearing a second time on August 28th, 1984.
1: I feel like I have pieced together the beginning of this story, and my world is crashing down on me.
0: Now, now you know. Of course, when she went missing again, her parents were beside themselves with worry. When her daughter failed to materialize the following day, Joseph Fritzl marched straight down to the police station to report her child, his child missing. It was a delicate situation for the officer because he had to explain to Joseph, Joseph that, well, your daughter's 18. Oh, wow. So she can come and go as she pleases. And she ran away with a cult, didn't she? She did run away with a cult. How'd you know that? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, my so God. So the my officer- stomach is
1: turning. The of-
0: officer takes out his notepad. And asked questions like, has Elizabeth seen trouble recently? And Joseph was embarrassed and said, well, yes. Her behavior in recent months had given him cause for concern. She was drinking and smoking. And he suspected some drug abuse. And late nights, she's not coming home until like 5 in the morning. Her and, and or him and his wife, Rosie at a growing suspicion that their daughter was involved with some bad people. He shook his head and, and said, Honestly, it's been very difficult to keep track of her. She showed very little respect for her parents, and although she lived at home, cared little for their rules. He suspected his daughter might have joined some sort of commune. Oh, no. She had recently started expecting, expressing an interest in alternative religions, after all. And behind his desk, the officer silently took notes. The police officer didn't say at the time, but it was clear to him that Elizabeth was an easily corrupted, unreliable girl. He reassured her father that he was sure that she would turn up eventually. They usually did. Oh my gosh, my stomach is turning upside down. The day that she went missing, she was thought to have run away to join a cult. Her father had asked her to help him with lifting something heavy. Everyone else was was out. Elizabeth's sister, Rosemarie, had just had a baby, and her mother was visiting. Don't you tell me that it was in that cellar. Don't you tell me that it was in that cellar. Another sister, Doris, was out for a walk. (laughs) Except for Joseph and Elizabeth, the house was empty. He asked her to help him carry a door into the garage, and this she had done. Father and daughter together had carried the door down into the garage and set it down against a wall. There is two different entrances into this cellar. (laughs) I like how you're going. I I knew it. And one of the entrances into the cellar is from the garage. And so he tells her that he needs to, thanks for helping me with the door, but I need to talk to you. You need to come with me. I need to talk to you. So he takes her down into the cellar into his office which she did think was rather strange because no one is ever allowed down there right you are not allowed in joseph Fritzl's cellar ever the whole time he was building it all those years he was working on it construction on it started in 1978 it is now 1984 he's been working on it that many years oh wow mm-hmm. and you and that whole time no one was allowed there So she's like, um, okay. It also had required a lot of locks and keys. He kept all the doors locked. There's many rooms down there and he kept them all locked. He takes her down there. He tells her to wait for a second. He's like, hold on, I'll be right back. And so she's sitting in his office and she notices on a bookshelf that there's a pistol. And she's like, now what the heck is this pistol all about? And she's sitting kind of nervously. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he comes up behind her. Because remember how I said there's two entrances, one from the garage, Mm -hmm. another one is from the garden. So he left, left the cellar and then came back back through another entrance to come behind her because he had a cloth full of chloroform that he put over her face and held it there for many seconds until she passed out. She hadn't seen it coming. She hadn't noticed him there. And suddenly he was there clapped his right hand over her mouth and nose, and she recalled that it smelled like glue and alcohol. It was chloroform. Why is he the way that he is? Right? They figured that he probably bought that from the pet shop because vets still use chloroform to render animals unconscious before operation. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, She was tiny. She weighed barely more than 80 pounds, but she had struggled. She had kicked him and failed about with her arms, but he was strong and well over twice her weight, and she um, had started buckling in the chair, and he had held the cloth to her face for a few seconds, just long enough for her to pass out. When she woke, she didn't know where she was or what had happened to her. She felt disoriented from the anesthetic and was seeing double. And How she had terrifying. I know. She had never seen the cellar before. So at first, she didn't understand that the place that she was in was the cellar at all. Okay. Right. Like it's she's a new place like, to her. Yeah. I'm. I was in this office. Now I'm in. The, all she knew is that it was dark and there was the smell of mildew. Her her hands were tied behind her back with a chain. She could feel with her fingertips that had been the chain had been wrapped around her upper arms and her wrists in two figure eights and then secured with a padlock. Padlock. Much worse was the fact that the cellar had obviously been prepared for her arrival. It must have been very frightening to realize. That it had been done up, especially for her. pre-planned. Yeah, Yeah.
1: he just on a whim decided what the cellar was going to be for. Okay. Uh, Yeah, right.
0: And then, yeah, exactly. She had woken slumped, not on the floor, but on a bed. And it was a proper bed, not just a mattress. A king-size mattress on a bed frame made up with pillows and other bed linens. Behind the foot of the bed was an iron post that had screwed into the concrete floor and attached attached to it was one end of the chain that he had used to bind her arms behind her back. He had put it into the concrete. Wow, That's how so pre-planned yeah. that was. The next thing she knew, he was beside her tightening the sh- chains. He didn't say anything He told other than he told her that it was all her f- fault and that he never wanted to resort to this. But he said an old Austrian proverb of that translates to the pitcher that goes to the well too often gets broken. So basically like I have to do this because, oh. and what it is, is he has to do this because he knows of her plans to leave. Right. What he told the police about her smoking and doing drugs and all that, none of that is true. The late nights, the not respecting her parent, none of that was true at all. It was simply that she was going to move out and live with her sister mm-hmm. and, and he, he was obsessed her with her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that is where I'm going to leave you for the end of episode one. No. Yes. Oh she my gosh! Woke up and realized that she is somewhere. She doesn't recognize it immediately as the seller, but that's that's where I have to leave you for <sighs> this. If you're a Patreon, you get the next episode immediately. No. So you could you could always look into that crimecuriouspatreon.com and get the next one right away. Okay, And then we'll pick up with the rest of Joseph Fritzl's story on Thursday and what happens. And it's an unbelievable. Don't you guys Google it and figure it out ahead of time because it's an unbelievable story.
1: I can't even believe. That, and I go into a big detail so
0: in the next one too. So don't like do a quick Google search because you won't get the research you're going to get here. <laughs> That's
1: for <laughs> Oh, her. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yes.
0: So ta-ta for now. TTFN, as they say. Wow. Talk about a cliffhanger. I know. Here. I know. This is the biggest one yet, I think. But I'm at the edge of my
1: seat, literally. But otherwise, you'll have to wait till Thursday. I and that's okay, too. might need to pay. Like, I need it right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to need to. I'm going to make you wait longer, yeah. actually. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday.
1: Bye-bye.
0: bye bye